welcome to the Passion Fit Coaching podcast. This podcast is hosted by my husband, Tom Ward, and it is produced and directed by professional athlete Lydia Dant. Tom is our Passion Fit Coaching strategy... No, what are you again? What are you you actually? Coaching strategy creator. So whilst we're trying to figure out the finer details of what Tom's title really means, sit back and enjoy the podcast. This week, how to set goals that reflect your true potential and what to avoid. So welcome to episode 21. Episode 21. Episode 21 of the Passion Fit Coaching Podcast. Welcome. It's been a few days since we recorded one. And it has, not it? It's been a very busy month, hasn't it, for us? Yeah, a very full busy. month. Very don't, full. Don't like the word busy. Very full month. Doing lots of quite exciting things. Yeah. November's always a like this. Month. A rich month. November's a always like this, month. isn't it? Yeah. I know. It's one that's quite deceptive. You think you kind of get to winter mm. and it's going to feel a little bit, mm. there's not a lot going on. And then November. Loads going on. So lots of development for our athletes, lots of development for athletes, individuals away from the passion for community. Yeah. So some cool things. Yeah. So a couple of um, health warnings, health warnings, I don't know, sort of logistical warnings about the podcast today. Um, firstly, um, there's a lot of stormy weather outside, so we can't promise there won't be rain pauses or rain noise yes yep. because uh, it can be a bit noisy where we record this um the dog um may make some noise because it's having a very traumatic day today um we have bought him a coat um we've tried lots of coats and coat wearing a coat is not something he's particularly keen on um quite a lot of growling goes on whilst applying the coat um we've got it on him and decided to leave it on him uh because it was a drama getting it on him uh, to try and get him used to it because uh, he's going to need it on the weekends because we're taking him to a cold race. Um, but um, as a result, he's in a bit of a strop um, and his behaviour is a little unpredictable. At the moment, he's not in this room, but he may come back to this room and may decide that um, he wants to kick up a fuss about something. And Lauren also has some ladies from Swansea Vale Try down, doesn't she? Yes. She has three yes. ladies from Swansea Vale Try here. And um, they are downstairs in the Ennis pool. pool. So they may be making a little bit of noise because um, they seem like they're having quite a good time down there, don't they? Like there's a lot of giggling. So uh, they, um, I think it's Lindsay, Abby and Rachel that are shout down there. Shout out to the Swansea Vale Trigirls. Yeah, Swan- shout out to Swansea Vale Trigirls. And um, they're downstairs having a great time, but that might mean a little bit of noise as well. So there's a bit of background noise. Apologies for that. We can't do much about it. So um, it adds to the character of the podcast recordings, doesn't it? Okay, so let's get on to the thing that we wanted to talk about quite quickly, so we don't waffle too much. What? So we, <laughs> last week we talked about potential, and what is potential? We, we tried to explain how to determine what your potential is, because we felt this, we feel this is really important. It's something that people talk about quite a lot. I think sometimes we get very confused between our latent ability and our potential. Those two things are not the same. And often we feel a disproportionate amount of pressure to perform at a level that represents our latent ability when actually there are a lot of other contributing factors to our potential. Um, and we talked about what those were, um, examples of them, and how to get those things into you know balance. Because if you get this wrong, then you can actually, uh, if you get it wrong when you're assessing somebody else that you're responsible for supporting, um, or developing, or you get it wrong when you're considering your own journey, it can be very disruptive, very toxic, 
and it's important to get it right. So we talked about that. So if you want to know a bit more about that, go back and listen to that episode. That was episode 20. So what we're going to try to do this week is we're going to try and then progress that idea and talk a little bit about how to use that idea when you're setting your goals. Because of course, this time of year is an important period for people setting goals, short, medium and long term process and outcome. And um, some of the things you might want to consider avoiding doing when you're setting those goals. There'll be a bit of overlap with things that we've talked about before um, in terms of how, you know, a, a formalized structure of setting goals, the one that we use, but that's okay. No, no need to not have a reminder of that. And we may get on to talk a little bit about vision as well, but we might leave that for next time. We'll see how we go. <laughs> now, this is going to be tricky. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide here. Um, this is going to be difficult to do. Yeah. Um, as always, we haven't scripted the, 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 the podcast. We've got a few notes, but not many. So we're doing this from our own our own level of intuition and understanding of the process. And we did it last night, didn't we, with our community. Yes. Yeah. So as you know, we have a, a seminar on a Monday night for our um, coach athletes. And um, we did this with them last night. And it was, it was great. It went, I think it went well. I thought it was brilliant. You thought it was brilliant. Yeah, your bias, I think, a little. Yeah, but it also aligns with my way of thinking. It does align with your way of thinking. On on that on that topic, actually, interestingly, <laughs> Lydia has just today, off the back of yesterday's seminar, shared her insights report from when she was working in the corporate world. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's insightful. Yeah. Some of you may be familiar with insights, some of you may not, but it's a normally a way of sort of um uh, categorizing individuals and explaining their personality type, their preferences, their fears, their communication styles, their motivators, how they like to be led, managed, etc. And um, uh, well, yours was uh, interesting and entertaining in equal measure, wasn't it? Words. No, <laughs> well, I was trying to, trying to be, that, then. yeah, I was trying to be polite and and appropriately PC about my response but it was entertaining actually wasn't it yeah it's actually quite scary how accurate it is yeah it is yeah it's spot on yeah and there might be as we said last week there might be a little bit more for us to share with you guys around that and some and a piece of the journey that you are at the moment in a few weeks time but we'll we'll wait till we know more before we do that um it's also interesting reading through that and when we look at how you engage and interact with other members of the community yeah uh, and particularly how Lauren and you work together as a coaching team, isn't it? Because yeah, Lauren's literally the opposite to you, which is quite fascinating. <laughs> which some of you might have already worked out um, already. So uh, if you know Lydia or Lauren, or even if you just listen to them, if you've got a bit of knowledge about this kind of thing, or you're a leader at work, for example, then you might have already worked these things out. So it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's anyway, really cool. Really cool. So, uh, and it's quite a good exercise to do, actually. If you're If you've got the option to do it, Ever, independently or at work take it because it is quite interesting and it's um it can be scarily accurate you don't want to pigeonhole yourself but it is scarily accurate so um i've done it a couple of times in my career so um and it's interesting um and it's it's really great to have the self-awareness because it helps you to make sure that you um try to utilize your characteristics in a really positive way than you know in a destructive way i'm i'm generally quite red as a personality type and um you know, the, 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 the unsettling thing about being a red person, personality type is that your bad day behaviours can be quite destructive. So like Lauren, for example, is, is yellow-green. Um, and, you know, Lauren's bad day, her behaviours aren't that aren't really destructive, as it were. And they can be irritating, but not this... Or unproductive, but not this destructive. I don't know if she's going to be all right with me saying this, but I've said it now anyway. Too late, isn't it? 
Um, nah, nah, don't. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but from me, my perspective, so when you're a red personality type, it's quite interesting because you can get quite anxious if you you know you care about the impact you have on other people, which I do. Um, you can get quite anxious about having a bad day because you know that it can be quite damaging. Um, so uh, um, I, I certainly don't if, if you have any discomfort with being a red personality type, it kind of is, 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 who, is who I am, but um, I have to be okay with that. But um, yeah, anyway, just an interesting exercise to go through. I don't want to digress too much. So let's crack on with what we wanted to talk about, which is this piece about goal setting. And actually what I've just been talking about also connects to this a little bit. Probably won't get into that today, but it does connect with it a little bit. Let's try and talk about goal setting and how your potential is something you need to consider when you're setting goals and how you can, you know, what other things you need to think about when you're considering goals. And the reason that you know, we talked about this last night is because this is something for you, Lids, you feel that it's something people could really do better do better at, I think. Benefit lately. from. Yeah, benefit from. But like, to bring clarity to the journey, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and they could benefit from could quite a lot, um, and certainly as an athlete, um, you know yourself, and a coach, you know, it's something you've always been pretty good at doing, um, and um, you know has certainly been a big, a big contributor to the progression you've been able to make. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, obviously, we know that you've got a, you know, a solid amount of latent ability as an endurance athlete. Yeah. But. The progression you've been able to make on that part of your journey and on other parts of your journey has also been strongly impacted by your ability to go through the process we're going to try and talk about today. Yes, 100%. Okay. So um, I guess the, the, the first thing is let's introduce you to the goal setting process that we use and we'll share this uh, image on our social media, I guess. Yep, we yeah, we um, We've shared it many times before, but we'll share this um on our social media and I'll try not to spend too much time on this because we've talked about this in great detail on previous episodes so I wish I knew which number it was but never mind um, uh, so we use a, a model um, an acronym uh, that uh, is the word ipsative okay so you'll all be familiar with smart goals we've probably all, most of you will have come across smart goals or smarter goals at some time in your life it's been around for a long long time it's commonly used in the sporting environment um, uh, and uh, education and the corporate world. It's using the corporate world a lot. Uh, SMART stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Um, and sometimes you have ENR, so smarter, and that's exciting and recordable at the end. Um, I've always, I've never liked SMART very much. I've explained why in the past. Um, I've often said it shouldn't even be SMART goals. It should be SMAR. That's a bit shit, isn't it? You can't sell SMAR. Not really. Um, not really. Um, because if a goal's specific, it must be time-bound. It can't be specific if it's not time-bound. But you had to stick that T on the end to make it work. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I've always been a bit bit, bit uh, dismissive about SMART goals. I have used them because it is a good pro- uh, process, but it, it, it often lacked key things. And there was always a danger with SMART goals that you could easily get drawn into setting goals that weren't, individualized enough to you they weren't about your journey they were societally influenced or you know you know and I, I got caught in that trap a lot particularly when I went to university for example the decision I made there you know to, the sub, to do the subject that I did was based around um, societally influenced goals um, and my latent ability 
you know, not so much my potential. And, um, uh, you know, also goals can be quite destructive. They can be quite toxic if they're set in an inappropriate way. So you can set smart goals that are very toxic and destructive to other people, maybe even yourself. You know, sometimes our desire for a specific outcome in life, you know, can be quite destructive. You know, take the Olympic Games, you know. Every, well not every, but a very large percentage of athletes going to the Olympic Games are, are, are there to try and get a medal. And um, uh, only three people in individual events get a medal. You know, only three teams get a medal in, in non, non in, in events. And the reality is that the fact that the top three get a medal is arbitrary anyway. Someone just went, oh, three, that'll do. We'll go gold, silver, bronze. We can't think of another one for, you know, for fourth, um, you know you know what would we give them um i don't know wood <laughs> gold silver bronze wood um but um you know uh <clears throat> we um you know we we then get really disappointed with you know fourth for example because we don't get a medal um and of course in reality like what does it really mean much difference third fourth even first potentially um so you know we can set that goal and then when we don't achieve it you know we don't feel we're on trajectory to achieve it then our you know, that, that goal that maybe once felt motivating and exciting suddenly becomes quite toxic. Um, so the day, that was always the thing about SMART goals for me is that they had they, they, they presented quite a lot of risk and there were a lot of pitfalls with them. So I wanted to come up with something new. It wasn't, it wasn't something I came up with quickly. There's a story behind it, but we won't bore you with that today. We were very fortunate that the, 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 the phrase ipsative, the word ipsative, which is a word that's used to describe um, progression, um, and performance relative to your start point and your potential, not rel- relative to arbitrary methods, measures or others, is a word that's commonly used in the education world. So, for example, you know, we often measure children you know, based on SATs, um, when actually that's not always the fairest way to measure children. An ipsative assessment is a more appropriate way, although, of course, it's tricky to do because it's more subjective, but it's a more appropriate way of measuring progression and performance. And we use this a lot within our um, community when we are discussing with our athletes, their progression and their performance level. We do that as best we can collaboratively with them using an ipsative format. But from our perspective, we were very lucky that the word ipsative also provided the perfect acronym for our goal setting model. And it genuinely is luck. I'm, I'm not bullshitting you there. Um, people often don't believe me, but it is. And let me just run you through um, what the, um, the letters stand for. So I is for individualized. So, you know, or ipsative, I guess, <laughs> in itself, um, in the sense that your goal should be individualized to you it should be based on your start point and your potential we've already talked about what potential is last week so it must be based on your start point and your potential it shouldn't be based on you know those arbitrary measures or necessarily how you perform relative to other people or societally based influences so when we pick up athletes and we ask athletes what their goals are before we consider working with them invariably people give us performance-based goals that are aspirational because they often feel like impressing us with those goals is something that is important to us which a passion fear absolutely isn't um you know so um you know the goals that we're impressed by the ones that have an element of balance and individualization to them so individualizing your goal is very very important you know for example we often use the the the, the, or we often use the example of um, like a 90 minute half marathon as being a goal well that in itself is entirely out arbitrary what we're saying is that 1.5 24ths of a day um, 
for some reason for 13.1 miles is something that matters. You know, when you think about it like that, it just defies logic. And yet we'll often define success and failure by that measure. Crazy, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I have those kinds of goals for myself, but they're well thought out. And there's a bit more to them than just plucking them out of my ass, which is kind of what you're doing if you just do do that. Yeah. So they must be individualized. They need to be precise. So even though they need, they're individualized, they need to be precise. So you can't be, they can't be waffly and vague like, I want to be faster. I want to complete. Be better. I want to be better. I want to finish a 70.3. That's not precise. Which one, when, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, better. Well, what, what, you need to be able to define better. Be specific about it. How does that look? Yeah. So they need to be precise. Okay. So individualized and precise. And I get it. People go, oh, there's, this is just a different version of smart. Well, yeah. It loads large. You can't reinvent the wheel, but you can make it better. Okay. And that's what we've endeavored to do here. They need to be suitable. So the goals need to be suitable. Um, so you know, does the goal actually suitable for your, your life journey? You know, actually, does it fit? Um, so, for example, if you had a goal, let's say it's a triathlete, uh, you're, you're a triathlete and you have a goal that you want to bench press 120 kilos um, for three times eight reps. It's likely that that goal isn't very suitable for your wider journey. You know, so it's got to be suitable, all right? Um, You know, if my body, like the body composition goals that I try to work towards, if I wanted to be a sumo wrestler, they wouldn't be very suitable for my goal, my 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 wider goal. So it's important as well. They need to be suitable. A stands for attainable or aspirational, and we're damn lucky that they both start with A. Um, And goals can be either, and they can be a bit of both at the same time as well Ooh, here comes the dog lids um, so let's just uh, you have to let him in otherwise he'll be very unhappy I'm just sending lids to let him in everyone's going to be like waiting to see if he does something exciting now but he won't he just wants to here we go <clears throat> he's looking very unhappy still isn't he one of his goals was definitely not to wear a coat that's for sure so the goal needs to be attainable or aspirational um, it can be either. It depends on your preference. There's nothing wrong with having goals that you know you can achieve. Some people find that more motivating than setting goals that are maybe ones they're less sure about. So you choose and, and your coach should be able to support you with both as long as the choice is one that motivates you. The goal should be trackable. You should be able to measure your progress towards it or your achievement of it. That's uh, That goes without saying. And you should have some influence over your goal. Again, it's one of the things about SMART goals is that sometimes you can choose goals you don't have enough influence over. So you should have influence over, not controlled influence. So for example, as a professional athletes, Lids might have some outcome goals in a race, a goal that is um, connected to where she finishes relative to the peers that she's racing against. <clears throat> but um, she can't control that goal, but she can have influence over it. You might have goals around races that you want to do. Um, and you need to be able to have influence over your likelihood of doing those. So I, you need to have the financial resource to be able to do it. You need to be able to engage your stakeholders to be able to, to support you on that journey. You know, if you're a 12 year old and you want a Ferrari, um, it might take all the other boxes, but it, you might probably don't have a lot of influence over your ability to do that, do you? So these, you need to think about the fact that the goal needs to be influence a ball. Um, I know that might not be a word, but it is now. Okay, uh, we went to Cheltenham Ladies College, didn't we, for a workshop, yeah. and we asked them to determine whether or not how we, how we should spell this, and they decided. So, when we put this out in our content, 
I'm sure they're a lot more educated than we are, so we went with their decision. Um, it needs to be value-adding. This is a really important one. It needs to be value-adding, not just to you, but to the people that it impacts on. There are a lot of people that in history have had goals that we've often found very inspirational. You know, a lot of the our heroes have these goals, but when we actually get underneath um, the story, these people and their journeys can be quite destructive and quite toxic. And so it needs to be value-adding. And sometimes sport itself in its current format is very non-value-adding. Actually, it's more toxic than we realise. Um, that's not going to change in my lifetime, but that is the reality. That actually elite sport in particular does an awful lot of damage to people. And by the time they're aware of that, it's too late. <clears throat> Often they don't realise until they've walked away. And that's similar for the corporate world. Sometimes we have these exciting aspirations about what we're going to achieve in the corporate world, particularly financial aspirations. And then actually when we reflect back, we realise that we made a terrible mistake. Not everybody. Not, not everyone. I'm sure Jordan Belfort didn't feel like that, <laughs> even after going to prison. He went to prison, didn't he, in the end? Um, but um, I could be wrong. But, you know, I'm sure he, he, he was quite happy with the choice he made. Um, I've got a friend who's a bit like that. Um, so, um, and then finally, the goal needs to be exciting. It needs to be something that motivates you. When I say exciting, I don't mean like, you know, you pee in your pants because, you, you know, you're at poolside and you can't just wait to get on with your 3100s. Um, it needs to be exciting because, you know, you feel motivated by it. Um, even if actually, you know, you're like, oh gosh, you know, this is, it makes me nervous or, you know, I didn't particularly want to get up this morning. There's got to be enough there that overrides that feeling. Not that you're doing out of obligation, or obsession, but you're doing it because, yep, yeah, I don't want to get up at half past five, or quarter past five, whatever it is in the morning. You know, tomorrow our guys start at half five in the morning. I'm sure none of them jump out of bed at quarter to five. A couple of them do actually, don't they? Let's oh, be yeah. honest. But let's they probably don't, but they're excited by the, the benefit that the decision that they're gonna make um has on their journey. <clears throat> so that's ipsative goal setting, okay? Um and like I said, we'll put that up and you can obviously record We'll rewind this back if you want to listen to that again. So that is something you need to consider. So when you're setting goals, how does like potential that we talked about last time and an effective goal setting model, it doesn't matter if you don't use Ipsit, if you want to use SMART, it's fine. It's not about the model, it's about the goal setting being an effective process, which people honestly aren't good at. You know, I've sit, I, I sat with the six HR directors of one of the biggest blue chip companies in the UK uh, four years ago, uh, and all ladies. And I, and I say that because, you know, my experience, ladies tend to be a bit better at this than men. Men tend to be have quite egocentric goals, and most of their goals tend to be linked to their dominate. A lot of their goals are often linked to the domination of others. Ladies tend to be a bit better than that with their goal setting. But I sat with six HR directors from one of the biggest blue chip companies in the country at one point and in a three hour afternoon session after the back of a whole day workshop they really struggled to set effective goals using the smart model um and um so it is something you have to practice at you have to be very deliberate at it you have to practice doing it okay so you know don't assume that it's easy to do when you use a model like smart or ipsative to set goals don't start with the model that's a mistake people often make. So I'll start with the goal and then go back to the model and cross-reference it and see whether or not it ticks those boxes. If it doesn't, what do you need to do with the goal to get it to do that? Okay, 
So that's really important. If it's not, for example, if it's not motivating or if you're not going to be motivated and committed enough, go back and review the goal. If you have a goal and you find you're not motivated over time, go back and review it. Okay, so that's really, really important. um, The way you use the model. But how does this model link up with potential? So we talked about how potential last time. We talked about how it's a combination of your latent ability or your inherent ability, but latent abilities may be a better way of describing it. Uh, what you can do, so you're like your logistics, your reality, and what you will do, your level of motivation. Those are the three things that combine to define your potential, not just latent ability. So you can have all the ability in the world, but if your circumstances are such that you can't do what needs to be done to unlock it, then your potential is not your can't be just your latent ability. If you're not motivated to do what needs to be done to unlock it, um, then that will affect your potential. And you shouldn't feel that that's a crime. A lot of people are made to feel that that's, um, you know, the phrase a waste of potential, like really irritates me because I think that's not true. It it may be, and even saying a waste of latent ability isn't appropriate because what if that person doesn't like doing what it is that they're good at? (laughs) You know, they don't have an obligation to do that. You know, I was, you know, when I was at school and I was quite good at maths. Um, and I did A-levels and degree of maths and I didn't do that well. And the reason was I didn't really like maths very much. Like, you know, just parts of it I liked, but um, I didn't really uh, like it very much. So I wasn't very motivated. I had the time to do it. I had the ability to do it, but I just couldn't be asked, really, to be honest with you. And so I'd probably been better off doing art. I wasn't very good at art, to be honest with you, but I'd have probably done better because I was, re- in fact, I did do quite well at art school. Not that I was any good, but I was very motivated because I really enjoyed it. So I tried really hard and I, I thought innovatively about, you know, how I could get better and go about it. So um, I've, got, I've, got, I've lost myself a little bit there, but I think this is so potential. Yeah. So make sure you're clear. And again, you go back and listen to our podcast from last time to be clear on what that looks like, because your potential is very important when it comes to setting goals. Because the danger is if you don't understand your potential when you're setting goals, then you can make mistakes. So where are those mistakes likely to fall in the goal setting process and how can they and what sort of impact can they have? And this is like you said, Liz, this is what we talked about yesterday with our guys, didn't we? Because a lot of them are going through that process of setting goals for for 2024. Okay, excuse me, I just got to take my hat off. Your head hot. It is a bit. Mm. (laughs) My head's a bit hot. (laughs) My top lips, I've gone November this, this year. I don't always do it. Um, um, I haven't really done it very well, have I, in the past, you know? No, 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 no. no it's no. been a bit of a shocker, hasn't it, to be honest with you? But I've done it's it quite well. It's an improvement this year. I think, well, I was hoping a bit more of a compliment than that. I thought I'd done it quite well, actually. We haven't, haven't quite I? finished yet. Well, no, we haven't finished yet. Well, that's, but it's quite good already. Relative to the start point. <laughs> yes, ipsitively, it's good, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. actually not a bad it's job, is it? So uh, um, I'm thinking of keeping it. Um, I'd like to think it makes me more macho, look more macho, because I'm not renowned for my macho persona am I but uh, I think it does the opposite probably probably mm. so we'll see but I quite like it Caroline Livesey won't 20, like it 2024 <clears throat> I don't know if Caroline yeah, listens to this but she won't like it will she? or Emma no. Billum Emma Billum you don't like moustaches do you so you won't like this either um, so neither does my wife or my mother um, okay so um, well, 2024 goal setting yes. so how can um why is it important that you get your potential, your assessment of your potential right when you're setting goals? And where can you, where are those potential hurdles when you, if you get this wrong? So um, attainable and aspirational is obvious place to start. Your potential is really important when you're considering that. You know, 
is the goal attainable? Is it aspirational? If you've got your assessment of your potential wrong, then that's not going to be great. So if your logistics are such, so let's say, for example, uh, you want to do an Ironman. And actually, I don't know if I, it's fair to touch on this because I might get this wrong because bit of man, I might not understand this well enough. But let's take the example of, I don't want to digress too much, but I think it's important. Ironman have just started an initiative that's focused on helping find ways to get more women to the World Championships. Yes, they have. They have. And I'm a massive advocate of that. I think it's a brilliant initiative. And I don't care. I mean, if it's a money-making exercise, but it will be to some extent. I couldn't really give a shit, to be honest with you, because I still think it's a good thing. Yeah. Right? Um, I wouldn't say I'm a capitalist, but I'm a realist, and I understand that that's the world we live in. It's a business, but also providing opportunity as well. Yeah, it's providing a fantastic opportunity. And what they've done is they've made it... Um, easier is probably not the right word, but they've provided more pathways for ladies to qualify for the world championships than than there are for men. Yeah. Yeah. Have I got that right? Based, yeah, based on the circumstances that women are commonly commonly in in comparison yeah. to men. So in the society in the in the in, in the societal structure we currently exist in, there are barriers that women have. Yeah. Uh, to be able to follow the process that will help them to qualify in the normal way in the in the old way. Doing two full distances. Yeah. Um, uh, the men don't face yeah. it, it percentage-wise. Yeah. Okay, so so yeah, for example, two full distances in one year, which is fundamentally what you've got to do, or in a calendar year, to be able to qualify. Um, then um, you know to qualify and do it. Yeah. That's quite a big ask yeah, for quite is. a lot of ladies. You know, I coach a lot. We coach at least half, half our client basis ladies, and I coach all but one lady. Um, and um, you know, I know the challenges that they face rel- relative to the men that I've coached in the past. So, when we're talking about their goals and we're talking about doing full distance racing, for example, you know, that certainly that a couple of the ladies I coach, all of a sudden, the possibility of being able to go to, you know, Nice or Kona World Championships, as is increased, they, they're poss- the possibility of going is improved because their qualification pathway is one that may be more realistic for them to be able to achieve, not because they're not capable enough athletes physiologically, but because their life journey is such the logistics for them would just be too difficult. Yeah. They couldn't make the training process work and maintain balance in their current life circumstances. Yeah. And so for me, it's wonderful to see that. So in the past, even though they might have had the ability to go to, 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 to be able to race at a level that could take them to the world champs. They might have had the motivation to, they didn't have the reality that would allow them to do that. So setting that as a goal wasn't one that was really either attainable or aspirational. It was delusional. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they'd still set it. I had one athlete do this and the, the destructive, because she was quite, this was a long time ago, she was probably a little bit self-focused and it had quite a lot, big, serious damaging effect on her family life because, um, you know, she was so fixated on this um, that she, despite me trying to discourage her from being, it, it had quite a negative impact on her family life. Even though she actually did have a very supportive partner, it still did. You know, it got to the point where she was neglecting her family a bit more than I think was fair. Um, so, um, uh, I think, you know, so I think for me, I think it's a wonderful initiative because whilst we readdress the balance of roles and responsibilities in the world, it allows women that opportunity that maybe they wouldn't have perhaps had. And maybe, you know, again, probably not in my lifetime, we'll see better balance between the pathways that men and women follow on their life journeys. But at the moment, we don't see that. And whilst we're going through that process, this is great to see. That was brilliant. Yeah. Um, 
And, um, you know, if I'm honest, I think I'm quite progressive in my thinking, but I never uh, really thought about that. I'm, just, I'm pretty embarrassed if, I, if I'm honest or ashamed that I'd never well, thought about that yeah. as being a good option it's for Iron Man. It's a, quite a theme, hasn't it, in the workshops that we run with groups of women mm. around their goal setting and yeah. like the common piece around the home life balance and how to make, mm. make that work with the training as well. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I think mean, it's wicked. So. Just reminds me though how little I really understand, even though I really try to understand. Yeah, I just didn't really properly. Not because, I, yeah, because I never. Yeah, I just, it's, and it frustrates me that I didn't. Yeah, but it's also like, I'm not saying it's not. It, it's not an excuse, but it's also not relatable for you, is it? It's not. Well, no, but the. the but it's being aware. The point is, is developing better great, understanding great because man, we're never going to. Um, yeah. We're never going to re- improve things if. We don't um, have that awareness in the yeah, foresight. Yeah, exactly. So we've got to, we've got to, um, uh, we've got to, you know, first of all, make sure that we listen to women when they're talking about these things, especially men. Um, and as men, obviously, we've got to be really, really aware that we probably never will understand, and we may have to accept that we don't understand, and we just accept that what we've been asked to do is a good step forwards yeah or we just hand the responsibility and ownership over to ladies to make the decisions um because often in these situations too many of the decision makers are men aren't they yeah, yeah. you know the pto god bloody hell let's not get started on the pto shall we um uh, so um so it's going back to this link between your goal setting process and these models it's important that you are aware of your potential when you're thinking about the attainable and aspirational part of that process also, the suitable part comes into that a little bit as well. Um, you know, is the goal suitable for the overall life journey that you're taking? So if, for example, you're, you know, you are very committed to the um, development of your children, for example, um, is setting the goal uh, of doing an Ironman going to be suitable for the pri- priority you have in your life? It may, it may not. It may conflict. Yeah. So that, that, and that's slightly different from the attainable piece. That suitability. Does it conflict with the other areas of your life? Either will it cause damage? So you need to think about like the can part of the potential model when you're considering suitability. Individualized is very important because if you don't feel motivated to do something, or again, if you don't feel like you've got the logistic logistic opportunity to do something then the goal may not be individualized enough for you you know you might be thinking it's oh yeah you know i see my mate do that and that looks wicked i'd love to do that but you may not have considered those other things as well so that's quite important and the influenceable piece is important when you come you know when you, you know is impacted quite a lot by the potential model so that's important as well the exciting piece obviously links directly to what you're prepared to do and what you will do so it's very important that you link these things up when you're considering your goals going into 2024 and the two models go together. Now, what we're not going to talk about today, which we talked about in our seminar, is how you link our intuition scale into this. I think that's probably a bit too much for today. We'll try and work a way of bringing that in because that's a very important model. But you particularly like this model, Liz, don't you? And you think it is very important when it comes to that goal setting process, don't you? Oh, yeah, I think it directly relates back. Yeah, um, help you kind of reverse engineer back through that process as well yes to really actually truly understand your goals and be able to sense check it in another way yeah but also to constantly use it as you and be able to adjust your goals yeah so yeah yeah I think it's, um yeah i think they're kind of inextricably linked yeah so you know but what Liz is saying i guess is that our, our intuition scale is something we use a lot with our athletes where we take them from 
the intuition scale is a process that takes you from data um, through to um, what we the term we use is courage and trust you'll have heard that you might have seen that phrase written on our kit uh, we replace the, the, the phrase belief with the words courage and trust because we don't believe in belief um you know we think that 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 sort of that self-belief is something that can be a bit of an illusion um and that actually it's courage and trust you know it's it's trust in a process trust in yourself and the courage to step forwards and have a go at something anyway because can you ever really truly believe you know are you ever going to be free of self-doubt um it's unlikely you know that's kind of hardwired into a lot of us and again for ladies probably a bit more than men because of the way men have treated ladies over the last few hundred years or forever basically yeah (laughs) um so um but just below that courage and trust level which is at the very top is strategy so the 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 intuition scale basically takes you from data which is everything data is everything that you experience um all the all of the stuff that's available to you um and then the next level is information um, but it takes you all the way from those through a various steps up to strategy. And of course, the strategy that you employ to achieve your goals is de- very dependent on your ability to um, work through the other steps of that process. So you can't set a strategy unless you fully understand what that goal is about, what it's going to entail. So if you're, if you're going to do an Ironman or a 70.3, for example... This is why we like triathlon, because triathlon's not just a great metaphor, but a great vehicle for developing these things. But it isn't just about, they say, like that. It might be getting that promotion, getting that job. It might even be about starting a family or buying a house. If you're going to, to take a step and set that goal, you, you need an understanding of all of the steps that work towards creating a strategy to achieve that goal. And what you can do is you can reverse engineer from the goal all the way back to developing the strategy and that strategy is very important because the strategy itself then might determine whether the goal fits within your potential spectrum because if you can't find a strategy that works or that you can feel motivated to stick to then again you've got a question whether that goal is the right one for you or you might at one point feel that that's appropriate and then find that actually the strategy is harder to execute than you expected because of either motivation or logistics or you overestimated your ability, your latent ability, and so you need to change it. It's a fluid model. It moves all of the time. And in fact, in reality, you use this in races, but you use it very quickly, don't yeah, you, yeah. in the moment, yeah? yeah? In fact, good, what all good sports people do, all yeah. good professionals do, all good parents do, yeah? So, you know, it's one of those things that's quite useful, um, but we probably won't talk too much about that today. Okay, so that's the piece. That's how you connect the two things up. Now, the thing that we are going to talk about is maybe some of the things I said at the beginning. We talk a little bit about maybe some of the things that you might need to consider avoiding when you're setting goals. We've touched on that a little already, haven't we? So we've talked about, you know, avoiding goals that aren't your own. You know, trying not to get drawn into those societally influenced goals. Um, We've talked about, um, you know, making sure, again, the, the goals are attainable or at least aspirational. They're not delusional, that you have an awareness of your potential obviously that's you know something else that we need to be careful of setting goals around arbitrary measures i know it's difficult to do you know i have a i have a goal that's time-based you know at the moment it's a big goal for me um and i understand the irony and contradiction in perhaps hypocrisy in having that goal 
Um, but there's a lot more to it than that. You know, there's a lot more to the reason I've got the goal. It's not as simple as I've got this goal because I've just pulled it out of my backside. There's a bit more to it than that. Um, you know, I remember for a while I had the goal of going sub four. That's a 70.3 um, because I went 404 one year. And then I wanted, I, I'd worked out I could have gone sub four. And when I think about it, it's a crazy goal to have. It didn't really make a lot of sense. But then it did because I, when I looked at it, I actually only managed to work out that I could go 401 in that race. Um, I wasn't quite sure where the other minute was going to come from um, in terms of controllable factors. But I also felt that if I was consistent for the year between the two races, that minute might come naturally as part of the process that I trusted. So, and it did, you know, it did for me, uh, combined with some favourable conditions as well and a nice race dynamic. All those things helped. Um, but I, I'm not going to say I didn't have that goal. I did, but of course what was important is why I had it. You know, I didn't just have it. And this is this is probably something we're going to come on to. So one of the things that I always think is really important to avoid is validation goals. Mm. Yeah? You like that? You like you agree with that? Then? Well, yeah, and it's something I have to really make sure I'm also straying away from. Because it is, isn't it? Like, I yeah. have a tendency to fixate on, like, certain sessions or patterns that I think if I do X, Y, and Z would mm. result in that then subsequently happening in a race mm. um, and not looking for that and not forcing a session just to for, for the validation yeah um, so yeah that's been quite an interesting one to try yeah. and work on you're definitely um, better at that now aren't you than you were now yes but I definitely fell into a trap of needing to do feeling that that's probably it needing to do a certain session yeah um, which session in particular was one that used to crop up quite a lot 3 by 20 minutes of sweet spot yeah, three by twenty minutes is sweet spot. <laughs> so we quite often have a lot of debates about the valid, the validity or the, the the importance of that session, wouldn't we? Yeah, we do. It. But you'd want to do it all every week if you could. Yeah. And if it didn't go like at one point, not now, but a few years ago, if you didn't deliver the output that you were expecting, what what often happened? Well, I'd probably have a bit of a meltdown about it. After, during, both, both. Yeah. Um, and there was a box of tissues by my there bike was. ready just in case. There was, which yes. was a bit of banter, but um, often needed, annoyingly. Well, yeah, <laughs> supposed to be funny, so. but ended up being necessary. <laughs> so and I wasn't crying with laughter. No. Um, no. So yeah, so it is quite an interesting one to how mm. you can use sessions in a constructive way, but mm. not become fixated on an outcome of a certain one, but look at them in terms of the bigger picture as well. Yeah. So validation goals, like crop up both in those bigger goals like your sort of end game goals like races for example but also in training you know so sometimes we choose a race goal like an Ironman because we feel that finishing an Ironman will give us some validation it'll validate who we are right and make us feel more worthy you know if we want to use terminology I've been told not to use by people is it will fill that existential void um so we choose these goals because we feel that you know subconsciously we have that, that you know, sort of bit of a feeling of low self-worth or emptiness and we think that that will help us um or like in your case Liz as you said we fixate on certain parts of a process that we feel validate our progression towards another goal yeah and um uh that can be quite toxic in fact it can be very toxic but it's part of how we set goals in life isn't it a lot of the time you know we do this we work you know, people decide, right, oh, well, I'll, if I get a promotion, that will validate my ability. It will validate my importance or my competence at work by getting promoted, often into a role we don't even really want, you know. And 
I saw this quite a lot and it's something I tried to discourage in my teams when I worked in the bank. Maybe I had a bit of an ulterior motive sometimes if they were good at their current job. Um, I don't know, should I admit that? Well, I have now. It's too late, isn't it? But um, also, you know, I did see it quite a lot. People would aim for that promotion. They're really good at the job they did. Really loved it. Really good at it. And then they aim for a promotion into maybe, say, from a, a sales role into a leadership role and then find it really difficult to do um, because they felt like the promotion was some sort of validation of, of that. And, of course, the culture we existed in would encourage it. I remember turning down a promotion once and I got really pressured into it. Um, uh, it was a it was a reasonable amount more money, but it was a little bit more travelling. And I turned it down because um, I loved the team that I was working in, and I loved the location that I was working in in terms of my life balance. And I turned it down. And um, the, the the regional director within the company I worked for actually said to me, uh, so this was the team I was going to go to. So he, he was trying to poach me from my current region into his region to do a job. And he actually said to me, at because he, he got me in for a, I guess, an informal interview because they asked me, um, what do you think the managing director of retail banking is going to say when I tell him you turned down this opportunity? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And that did unsettle me, to be honest with you, because these were some bloody important people. And I went back to my regional director and told him what was said. And fair play to him. He said a couple of things to me. He said... Um, first of all, right, leave it with me. I'll deal with it. Let me pick this up. Don't worry about it anymore. Don't lose sleep over it. I've got your back. And secondly, he said to me, look, I can't promise you anything specific, but if you stick with me, I will do everything I can to reward you for that decision. And he did. Six months later, he did. Um, he found a way, a very creative way of rewarding me, not, not in a legal way. <laughs> so I just bit dodgy. That didn't work. He found a really creative way of finding a way to reward me for my loyalty and, you know, um, self-awareness and all those things. And I, you know, it, it really resonated with me. Um, and um, that guy um, uh, probably doesn't, he probably doesn't even listen to my podcast. Mehmet Colliari, that was you, by the way. <laughs> all right. So I just thought I'd let you know. Um, uh, I, I, I connected to Mehmet on um on, on LinkedIn, and I, I doubt he listens to this. Let's be tag him in the LinkedIn post. Um, but yeah, he did, and it really, really stuck with me. I mean, this is probably 20 years ago, and I remember, and it really, it was really important to me, and it taught me a really important lesson about how to lead people and how to support people, one I still use now. So um, yeah, thanks, Mimit. That was that was great. It really, really meant a lot to me. And um, uh, I think. Um, uh, you know, so going back to what I was saying previously was it's really important that you're careful about goals that may, you may be got fixated on or drawn towards because they provide you with an element of validation. Um, so that's something that you've got to be really careful about. But we do do it all the time uh, because we feel like the process of being a higher functioning version of ourselves isn't enough because the world that we live in makes us feel like it's not enough and it is enough it is and you know in passion fit we have a monthly monthly accomplishment award because and it rarely goes to someone because of a race it rarely does um because in fact last month we had loads of people absolutely uh, excel at ocean lava in different parts of the race or the race overall and yet our award went to an athlete that hadn't raced mm. at all didn't even come to ocean lava because 
you know, that's not why being a high-functioning and accomplished person is about, you know? I'm not saying those people at Ocean Love didn't do really well. They did. But there, there's a lot more to it. And sometimes the journey itself, that better version of ourselves, that best version of ourselves on any given day should be enough for us. Um, and, 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 you know, you know when you've got that nailed because racing becomes a distraction yeah. from that process. Yeah. Um, setting race goals because you need motivation to follow a process. Oof, that's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, really risky. Yeah, really risky, that one. I mean, how many of you have fallen into that trap? I'll enter a race to motivate me to train. Honestly, I've, I've done it. It's you have done it. Yeah, yeah, you have done it. And it's yeah. just a vicious circle. It is a vicious circle. And and all that will happen is you'll just hate your training. Yeah, well, and then never do the race either. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll never do the race. Yeah, but you'll just hate the training. You know, so that's something you really got to avoid. You've got to think about whether or not the the, the race goal and the, the process, or whatever it be, the promotion, the race, having a family, starting a family, buying a house, whatever it might be, that goal that you're setting yourself is the strategy you're going to have to employ to get there going to be motivating on its own. Because if it's not motivating on its own, I tell you what, that goal is destined to become toxic for you yeah. and demotivating and a really horrible part of your life. End game goals. Oh, God, those ones drive me. You know, if I do this, my life will be better. That's another one. Is that the same as a validation goal? I don't know. But, I don't know, because it puts you in a provisional state. Doesn't yeah, it? these end game goals where once I achieve that, my life will be better. There's a couple of things like you, you just said, Liz. One thing it can do is put you in a provisional state where you're kind of waiting for that day to come because after that, on that day or after that day, you'll be happier about yourself or you know you'll feel more fulfilled so the journey again itself isn't fulfilling so all the way up to that point the only thing that's motivating you is this perception and probably false belief that once you achieve that then you'll be fulfilled but it often is also followed when you get to that point that end game it's often followed by a massive anti-climax because what happens is you realize that it didn't change nothing changed because of that and now you've got nothing to motivate you. Whereas I never feel post-race blues. Neither do you. Nope, nope, and nope. it's rare for our athletes to feel that too, isn't it? Yeah. Because the race is just part of a process that they follow day in, day out. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all struggle a little bit with rest and recovery, I think, because we enjoy training. Like, we genuinely do. Yeah, particularly, particularly like mountain biking and gravel yeah. biking and stuff. But... Um, you know, again, that none of our athletes feel demotivated by rest and recovery. You know, they're not anxious about oh, getting back to training, getting back to training, because they see it as part of that journey to becoming a higher functioning version of themselves, and um, they're motivated to do it, aren't they? Yeah. So, again, that end game kind of goal is one that is risky, isn't it? So these are the kinds of goals that are really important to, to avoid. Um, and um, I think also the other one, and I, I don't know how to position this or categorize this but the other one is racing for charity that's risky now i'm not gonna say you shouldn't race for charity don't take me out of context please um although you know i have my opinions on charities and people who work for charities gonna hate me now but um uh you know i certainly not a big children in need fan that's for sure you know um, all you've got to do is look at the cost of one Eurofighter yeah, <laughs> and compare it to the money raised that children need and it gets gives you some perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. But let's not, let's not get on a soapbox. <laughs> I'll get in trouble from Lauren. Um, but charity-based goals are risky. They're, you know, it's great. Raise money for charity. It's fantastic. You know, help, you know, these charities help people by raising money for them. That's superb. 
Um, but the problem is, is if you if you decide that that's your motivator, that can also be really risky as well. Because again, it can become really pressurizing and toxic for you if you're not raising the money in the way that you should. Um, um, so you need. There's nothing wrong with doing a race for charity, but you probably need to be motivated both by the race and the process before you consider doing it for charity, not the other way around. Yeah. Um, because in my experience, when athletes have entered a charity base or set a charity base goal, they found it hard to enjoy the process. And in the end, process, they just wanted to get to the end of the race, get to the race, get it done, so they don't have that pressure anymore. And that that's not really the way we want to be going about that. Was it? No. Um, so, those are some of the things potentially to consider avoiding. Now, there might be others, um, other things that, I don't know, have I forgotten anything? Anything you can think of, Liz, on top of that? No, I think that's that's quite con- concise in that respect. I think the biggest thing for me is you need to firstly have that intrinsic motivation. Mm. So when you're starting setting these goals, like we've kind of said before, and like what Simon Sinek says, is going back to really understanding that why. Yeah. Because if that's strong enough, then everything else should naturally start to fall into place. Yeah. Um, but understanding that, not just superficially thinking it, yeah. but really, really actually what's my key motivator and that deeper reason for wanting to do this in the first place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So understanding your why, I mean, it's a very simplif- simplistic way of saying it, isn't it? But it's true. Yeah. You know, whenever you set a goal, why am I doing this? And is my why powerful enough and appropriate and... You know, does it meet all of the things we talked about in relation to your potential and your in that goal setting piece, particularly that value adding piece? I think that yeah. the individualized for me with Ipsitiv, it's the individualized bit and the value adding bit that are arguably the most important, and the the two that are missing from Smart weirdly. Yes. So the two most important ones, the ones that will transform your life and the way you feel about your journey, are probably the ones that are missing from Smart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's everything for today, isn't it? Yeah. We're not going to talk about anything else, are we? No. We want to talk yeah. about vision, yes, we don't do. we? Because we really like that one. Yeah. Um, but we'll probably talk about that next time. We might talk a little bit about cult and culture yes. as well, um, because we think that's quite important. Um, but I, I want to be careful not to play dry Stephen Bartlett, so because um, uh, he talks about this a little bit. We want to talk a little bit about that because that's something that's come up in conversation with some of our community guys in recent weeks, and we think it's really important. Um, and we think culture is a is a really, really, really important thing. You know, I've been following the Philadelphia Eagles uh, these last couple of seasons because um, some friends of mine keep pestering me to go and watch a Philly game. So I think, well, if I'm going to ever go, I better. I've got my Philadelphia Eagles cap here actually on the shelf next to us, haven't I? A rainbow coloured one. Um, and what was really interesting, I, I in fact, watch it if you haven't watched it. It's on Netflix. There's um, a Jason Kelsey documentary, and it's really interesting. And um, for Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they uh, there's a very cult-like culture. Not a cult, but a cult-like culture. And that is, for me, actually really powerful. And Jason Kelsey's speech to, gosh, an unbelievably large crowd um, when they did their parade, their Super Bowl parade, and what he said was cool. Um, I think one of their phrases is "Nobody likes us, but we don't care." <laughs> I think that's one of their one of their supporters their supporters um, phrases, and I think that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? Um, so um, but it's quite interesting, anyway. Uh, uh, the documentary, so it's quite an interesting thing about culture. Yeah, yeah. and cult like culture, different from cult. 
Okay, but we might talk about that, uh, and we might talk about vision because we think that's a really important one. Again, it links nicely into the goal setting piece, the difference between you know dreams and hopes, and vision. You know, and why vision is the thing we should be striving towards rather than hopes and dreams, um, and how it links into what we talked about already today. So I hope that made some sense. We might include the intuition scale in future episodes as well, um, if I remember. Um, I might not. Um, but thank you for listening. You need to share, like, subscribe. I get this wrong every week. Whichever way around. Something like that. Share, like, and subscribe. Uh, and like I said, guys, this is not about... We don't make any money from this. We don't have any patrons. We don't have any sponsors. We've got no intention of doing that. Lydia and I do this because we enjoy it. We've wanted to do it for some time. Uh, we do it because it's really great for our development. We're learning as we go, aren't we? Yeah. Um, I know it's me talking a lot. Um, I am very aware of that of that possibility that comes across as mansplaining. But there's a reason that it's me talking the most, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, it's not because... I'm here to chip in. You are to, you are to chip in, yeah. <laughs> Um, we hope we're getting better at them. Um, I think we are. Um, but we're learning as we go. And that's one of the reasons we do them because it's, it's really useful for us to learn. We learn not just about delivering them, but we learn about the things we're talking about. Sometimes we, we think of new ideas or we adjust things we've talked about because of what's the way what we've said on the podcast or yeah. feedback we have from people. So they're really fun for us to do. Um, but if you like, share and subscribe... That's the one. What it does is it helps more people um, get made or be made aware of the podcast and the content. And of course, some people out there might really benefit from this. Some of you might really love these. You might really benefit. Some of you might be a bit indifferent. There's some people out there probably hate them um, and what we, the way that we and our culture and ideology. In fact, I know they are, but um, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, but for those people that will really benefit from this and actually reading your insights report today it's, yeah. it was fascinating, it was insightful because mm-hmm. what it did was it it gave me an understanding of why you've bought in to what we do so much Yes. Yeah. and yeah. actually it's nice because the, the culture and the ideology has given you that, that place to be part that thing to be part of that was harder for you to find in normal society yes. wasn't it? 100% yeah. which is good because of course we can't do too much about our type our personality type can we and again more may become clear over the coming weeks we'll see so there may be lots of people out there that may benefit more than you do from this and um um, we want you to share that with them and even if their journey just is listening and benefiting from this then that's great if it evolves into something more and then they want to get in contact contact with us and we can help either them or their teams or their their you know their, their their work teams their sports teams then better still you know because then obviously there's some benefit in that for us as well if you're if you're part of a sports team or you lead a sports team then make sure you let us know because we can actually provide some support for you there um you know in some cases completely free of charge so we have that opportunity to come talk about some of these things in that environment for you guys free of charge as well so let us know because we like doing that too and lauren goes mad because that's why we don't make any money but um yeah that's why we want you to get it out there not because um we get a financial benefit from you doing so all right. Um, anything else? No, nope, that's perfect. Okay, cool. Perfect, perfect. Well, I don't know perfect. Perfect. I don't know. Good job. Good job. Okay. <laughs> Who says that? Joe Murphy says that. Yeah. Good job. Um, so we've name dropped a lot today, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, okay, right. There were some outtakes at the beginning. Whether we'll add those on, I don't know. We'll see. So we'll see. I mean, we didn't get our intro right, did we? No, um, we didn't. So. But it was funny. Yeah, and we didn't get disturbed too much. If there was a bit of background noise, that's Lauren downstairs. The dog was pretty well behaved, and the weather behaved itself too, didn't it? The sun's yeah. actually out now. Cool. Thanks very much, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. 
Uh, feedback, comments, let us know, and we'll speak to you again in a few days.